Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Wildcast. Hopefully this one, guys, is going to be not quite as long as the last two. Things in British hockey? Uh, no, let's not go there. Um, Tom, Joe, back again. How are we both doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, all good. Recovered after a long trip back from Sheffield. But hey, it is what it is. Joe, how are you? We got four points! Oh my god, we got four points! <laughs> and that's how Joe is. Um, yeah. He's really squeaky. <laughs> sound really squeaky. He sounds very excited about the fact that we've got four points as well, so I guess we should probably jump straight into those games. Um, yeah, four-point weekend. Uh, beat the dogs at home, beat the dogs away. Tom, uh, let's talk Saturday. Uh, what were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, um... I mean, two points is two points. It's a solid win. And Sheffield are, you know, they're a good side. They maybe haven't quite had the results the last few weeks with, you know, their own COVID issues and a seeming loss of form. Um, probably wasn't the most perfect performance of the season. We you to be outshot incredibly heavily at home isn't necessarily what you want. But I thought, you know, Reddy Mar was outstanding in his return from injury um i think he made 44 saves um in the win and yeah it was just a really really solid spectacular net mining performance and the second period we you know put them to the sword when, when our chances came and i think that was the real difference in the game was taking chances um which seems a really obvious thing to say but I think it was four goals on six shots in that second period and two shorthanded goals. And that's just the sort of kind of period where you really put a team to the sword and it kind of, although Sheffield got the late goal in the second period and kind of got back into it, it then kind of really set us up nicely into that, into that third period to kind of hold on and hopefully see out the game, which is what we did with admittedly a few scares along the way. Um, there were certainly a couple of moments where we all sat there wondering, how has that puck not ended up in our net? Um, definitely that one in the third period where the puck took an awful bounce off the backboard. And yeah, Rennie was nowhere to be seen. Rennie did the right thing, but yeah, that yeah. puck came right in front of the net and oh, I was convinced. See, I don't, I don't believe you. I've watched the highlights and there was nothing of that there. So I think you're all lying. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I thought the first period we started quite well. Then I think penalty trouble again. And we'll talk about more of that for the Sunday's game as well. But penalty trouble kind of took the wind out of our sails and we were a bit flat. I thought the second half of that period and that wasn't great to score then the two early goals, which Aaron mentioned in the post-match was big. Um, it was nice that we've got the highlights and we're able to see the behind angle view of the first Wildcats goal from the from Saturday because it, to clear things up, that puck definitely goes into the back of the net. Um, we had no idea where, what had happened from where we were sat in the rink. Um, I don't think necessarily a lot of people had. We had some differing reports even from people down that end of the ice. So, um, yeah. But yeah, it was a solid performance. Um, it was a really good net mining display, and yeah, yeah, two points, two points was a good thing at home. Yeah, you need, to win your, you need to win your home games. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it was kind of about taking your chances when they did come. It was kind of the opposite to what we did in Peterborough uh, last weekend. Uh, I thought when I kind of look at the performances side by side, I thought they took their chances, and we did against Sheffield. Joe, you've seen the highlights on this one. Um, rough middle period for the Dimmy God. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, four goals on six shots, obviously, looks horrific. But when you consider the two shorthanded opportunities are complete total defensive collapses, I mean, obviously, yeah, power play, you're going to go for it. I think it's the fourth one in particular where all five Dogs players are in our face-off circles. And, of course, the puck gets flipped out and it's two unknown. It's that line from dodgeball. It's like, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Um, it's <laughs> I think the line is Mark said it on the commentary as well. It's like, yeah, 19 from 89. You can kind of put your house on it. Especially 
when there's going to be nobody there. I won't lie, I did half expect Aaron to, you know, slide it back across to Thomas on the last one because Dimmy had obviously overcommitted. But, you know, Aaron being Aaron, just snipe it instead. Um, no, it's just, it's a good thing to see, obviously, a 4-3 win over the dogs at any point, especially given the fact that at home in October we were god-awful against them to come back and actually do a job on them is nice. And as Tom said, Rennie getting 44 saves his first night back. It's almost as if, you know, having uh, having the 1A and the 1B back and, you know, bodies back from COVID and injuries might be a good thing for the team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on that 2-0, I think what the highlights don't show is they'd had another 2-0, I think, before that, earlier in the on another power play earlier in the game. And... They tried the play where you play when Malazinski plays across to Nell and then back, and it had over they'd overdone it, and the puck had got away from Malazinski with an open net. So I think that time Alan just thought, yeah, I'm just shooting this one. I'm not going to I'm not going to try overplaying this. We're just I'm just putting this ah, one in the net. context. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I think yeah, I mean, I think well, I'm talk more about Zamostra in the Sunday game, but I do think I agree with you. I think his stats look worse than they were on Saturday. I don't think he did much wrong on any of the goals and I don't think he was necessarily tested much for, for periods um, of the game, but equally he did pull off some really nice saves as well. So I think and it was again, one of those nights where yeah, one of those nights where there was not much he could do about the result. No, especially if your defence is going to play walkabouts for four minutes and give up two short-handers. I will say this to the dogs, obviously. They're also... Uh, that you guys said, like, had their own issues with COVID and injuries. Matt Bissonette returned on Saturday and didn't look like he'd missed any form of game time. The pass on the second dog's goal was absolutely disgusting. I think it goes through four players straight to the tape of Lee Haywood and it's ripped to the net. It's like, wow, okay. I can see why he was uh, such a big deal when they signed, when he signed for hell last year. Yeah, that was absolutely filthy, that pass. Uh, and speaking of other things that, that were absolutely filthy, I'm going to say it because I don't think either of you have mentioned it just yet. Um, the assist from Rennie Ma might be my favourite assist of all time because not only when you see the goalie get an apple, there's always a louder cheer in the arena because, you know, like it just isn't one of those things that don't happen all that often. When the assist is a diving stop to your left hand side, it just makes it a bit sweeter. Yeah. Diving well, glove I save. completely missed that. Yeah, yeah. diving glove save and then Malash. Malash breaks on the, on the two on zero. Um, it's it's one of the shorty goals. It was. Oh just... no, it's the second one. I'm just. I'm getting it now. <laughs> yeah, you, it, it is brilliant. It, and I, I, I did say to Rennie after the game. I actually, said that might be the best assist of your career. I think his words to me were, "Well, I've missed what? a couple this year, so it's about time I got one." What is a shame is um, what is a shame from that highlight package, and it would have been really fun to see. Would have been the behind our goal view of that whole goal. So from the save, and then watch the play develop down the far end from the GoPro. That would have been quite a fun angle that I quite like to see. Yeah, maybe they uh, maybe saving that one hopefully for social media this week. But uh, yeah, it was an absolute. It was one of those where you're cheering for the save itself. And then within 10 seconds, you're realising, oh, that's now turned into a 2 on 0 break and this could get even louder in this ring. Um, but yeah, absolute massive save. Uh, and it was crucial because like they say it, you know, the, a big save can be as good as a goal in that scenario that it literally went from one end to the other within about 10 seconds. And I was going to say, it's gone from potentially being a 3 all game. Well, it would have been a 3 all game if he doesn't make that stop to a 4-2 game. Um, literally, that's the difference that save has made instead of being tied at three all with half a game to go you two goals up and yeah it's huge that that, that assist will be the game winning goal so you know it, it was massive uh and then obviously sunday we we complete it you know we four points do it again <laughs> do it again we would do it again um yeah well i mean tom what were your thoughts from the stream, or am I going to go on this one again? Okay, do you want to? Well, should we do the same as last week? Do you want to take the lead, and then I'll add my thoughts on the stream because I do have some thoughts. Um, but I'm interested to see what your view is from you know being in in the ring because obviously it's a, it's a different. Yeah, it was actually yeah, be there. It was, it was much more enjoyable than it was the week before. I've got to be honest. Um, and now, again, another really good game of hockey between two teams that 
that you could tell, and I know it's just cheesy West it, but but wanted that win. They both knew how important that game was, especially after the result on on Saturday. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a really good performance. I thought uh, I thought the Cats did really well in that first period. I thought, especially, there's always that element of fear about we're the one with the long bus trip up, the bus legs, the slow start, the the everything. And I thought we did. We did really well. Um, you know, Aaron scored a really nice goal uh, to kind of kick things off. And and again, Aaron and Thomas combining again and again for the pretty much duration of that game, I think, duration of the weekend. Um, I think apart from Floyd's, I think they got pretty much, a, it was 89 from 19 on every single combination. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> First period, I thought we were really well. The Steel Dogs definitely came back to it in the second period. Uh, and I thought at times we, we were struggling a little bit. And then right at the start of the third, when they scored that really early power play goal, uh, I was a little worried that things were going to kind of steamroll from there. Um, but they didn't. And to the Cats' credit, they they kept battling. You know, a, a, it wasn't a fortunate goal from Floyd Taylor by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a... I know you said this in a to me over the text message, Tom. It was a goal off a rebound that really should not have been a rebound, uh, and one I think Dimmy will a hundred percent want back. Uh, but again, to to Floyd's credit, you, again more cheesiness. You you keep playing to the whistle, and you know you you follow in around the net for those opportunities. And if you don't do that, if you don't go to the net, you may not score. Um, good things won't happen yeah exactly um but um and then yeah uh overtime winner uh there's discussions about the penalty right at the end of the game uh there's there's definitely two sides to that argument but i thought the cats started overtime really well they again aaron said it to me in the interviews the last few times we've been to overtime we've had that power play at the start um and to be fair, Swindon in overtime situations haven't always been the best outfit over the last few years. Um, and yeah, we, we settled into it. And I think everybody in the rink saw the opportunity that, that Thomas Malasinski uh, had. I, definitely from the angle that I was at. And I know that Tom know, will know the angle I was at. I, I could see the gap. And I just, we were kind of all just saying, go on, Thomas, just, just rip it. And it's exactly what happened. And and yeah, it was it was a big two points, and it's it's a massive four points in terms. And I know we'll come onto it later in terms of the table and the the way the league's setting up, kind of as we get towards the end of January. Um, but I thought, I generally, I thought it was a good performance. Yes, there's things to improve on. Uh, I know we joked about it before we started recording. The penalty kill was was a brilliant five on three kill, and then I think it went home for the weekend. Um, but it was never going to be a perfect weekend against the Steel Dogs. Yeah. Um, so I have a few, I have, for once, I actually have written a couple of things down that I want to talk about on this game. Um, so from watching on the stream. Um, so one of them was what something that Ben has mentioned, which was an uncharacteristically shaky game, or shake, an uncharacteristically shaky third period from Dimitri Zimozdra. So as Ben has mentioned, the rebound on Floyd Taylor's goal shouldn't have happened. Like it was a fairly routine shot straight at him, and he just dropped it straight out in front of him. And I think he was almost as surprised as anyone else in the rink that the rebound was there. In that he just didn't react to the rebound, and Floyd put it away. And you just think a netminder of Zimostra's quality doesn't usually make that kind of a mistake. I don't know whether he. It just seemed he just seemed a bit. Yeah, just a bit shaky, and he then he almost gifted us a winner late in the game, where he fell over behind the net, and was quite lucky that Reed Sayers also fell over behind the net, picking up the puck off him. Because if Reed doesn't fall over, he's just got a simple wraparound finish to give us a five-four lead in regulation. So it was yeah, it was a it was a really kind of odd night for Dimmy. I don't know if he was just having an off night. I don't know if he was maybe carry maybe the pressure of the amount of games he had to play recently and the situations in Sheffield of playing a lot of games behind a depleted roster have caught up a bit and he was just having a night where he felt a bit you know a bit off off his game but yeah he certainly didn't look like the netminder we've come to 
know over the last couple of years. But again, you've got to take your chances when you do have that. And as you say, Floyd did really well to follow in on the rebound when he got it and take the chance. Um, I mean, we also had the amusing situation at the start of overtime where we started overtime with a power play unit featuring Emil Svek. And then we started overtime with a power play unit featuring Thomas Malazinski because we played 20 seconds and no one remembered to start the clock. So well done, timekeeper. You know, you, it, I remember... Saying, we love, we love we love the volunteers at, at ice hockey games and we couldn't have them without them. But yeah, sometimes those mistakes get noticed. I remember um, in the rink kind of saying to a couple of the Cats fans there, they said to me, well, what's going on? Like, why are we stopped? And I said, well, they've not started the clock. And they kind of said to me, well, how are they going to count that one down then if they don't know when they didn't start it? And I said, well, they'd probably just do maybe restart it, thinking that was going to be a slight joke. But no, no, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, um, and then you start with a power... Obviously, then the Cats had to start the power play at the start of the second overtime attempt with a slightly different unit, and it did work out because, as you say, Malash had the opportunity, and I'm I'm with, with you on that. I was watching on the stream, and you can just see the opportunity developing and unfolding, and I'm like, I think I know where this is going, and I think I know what's going to happen here, but I don't want to count my, um, you know, count my chickens until they hatch, and, yeah, Malash rips the shot. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I'll be interested to hear you guys, view on this so obviously we've mentioned one line kind of had the impact scoring wise and um, the Nell Malazinski duo scoring four goals of the five between them and then scoring goals again on Saturday as well um, but I actually thought all three of our lines played well in their own way I didn't think we necessarily so I thought obviously the Nell and Malazinski line were our best offensive line in the stats show that I thought the third line of Sayers, Goodchild and Taylor just played with great energy all night and did exactly what you want from a third line in that kind of game and then you have the second line of Beberis, Jones and Emil Speck and I thought, to be honest, it was a really good line and I thought particularly Eddie had one of his best games for a while I thought he was just really good really effective at both ends of the ice and I thought that line was creating chances, they were playing solid defensively but my God, they couldn't buy a goal. And none of them looked particularly confident in front of the net. It felt like they were hoping one of the others would put the puck away. And when even when Emil did have a glorious one-on-one opportunity, it came back off the post. And you just think this line is absolutely kind of snake-bitten at the moment. And that's not me saying they play badly, because I actually think the opposite. I think they played really well, but I just think it's a lot, they're a line at the moment who need a couple of a game where they get a couple of goals. And we saw it with the line when it was Eddie, CJ and Tom's Ruckus a couple of years ago. They had that game against Peterborough where they scored a ridiculous amount of goals between them that one night, and it kind of got them going for the well, what turned out to be the rest of the season because the season got cut short, but... Yeah, interesting to hear what your view on that is because I thought like the, the, the performance of that line over the weekend, but particularly on Sunday, didn't then show up in the stats with kind of goals and points that they perhaps should have had or could have had. No, I, I probably would agree with that. I thought uh, if it wasn't for Rennie on Sunday, I think Eddie would have been my man of the match. I thought Eddie was phenomenal, uh, especially defensively. I thought he was breaking up plays. He was strong. He was winning battles along the boards. And they just couldn't move him. None none of the Steel Dogs players could just get him off the puck. And I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, and again, yeah, uh, Emil and, and CJ, they they really... They, I, I, I do like that line. I think Emil's got the headlines for the whole season with the goals he scored. And he's kind of, like you said, he's going through a little bit of a... It's not even a slow patch compared... But it's just, it just is compared to how he started. Um, and yeah, and again, equally, I know we talked about this last week, and I know Joe kind of th- threw some numbers our way that obviously proved they were still generating offense. Um, I, I'm sure Eddie and CJ would love to score a few more goals this year, but but they are they're causing havoc, and when that's our second line, hopefully, touch wood, we can get Balint Pekosley back on the top line in a cup, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, and again, we we said at the start of the year we've we've got a good got a good top six. Joe, what were your? I know that Steel Dogs highlights are well non-existent, but what were your thoughts on the the game, the score sheet, the weekend? Oh, I was just gonna. So we say about the second line. I think obviously, most of a very good point, but 
I think there is a little bit where he's maybe being a little too harsh on this. Sorry, Tom. And I know you can give me death stares here, but if I could, just, before you rip me a new one for this, let me just say you've got Chris Jones and second Eddie Beverly obviously has been a fantastic line all through the season. And I just went back and looked while you guys were talking there. The last time they'd actually combined for a goal where all three of them were on it was the 18th of December and against Rivers. Since then, obviously, we had all of the shenanigans with COVID and injuries and one of them missing. So, And if you, if you can actually go back through all the games then from it would have been the cup final all the way through to this weekend, you can probably work out the fact that they actually haven't been aligned together for that entire time. CJ was missing after from Boxing Day. We know Eddie's missed the last couple. Emma was moved up to the top line because Max was missing. Like, it, it, we... I think we underestimate like, how important chemistry is in English hockey. When you have a line that works, Emil, Eddie, and CJ was on fire from that run up to the cup final. Let's just say facts. You could see it in the numbers. You can clearly see Emil gets the goals, Eddie and CJ put it on a plate for him. That's just how it's working out. So the fact that you have players missing and it's never like this was one of the missing so that the other two have to play with a new guy or one guy's moved from here and that's the third line down on the round. Like, it messes things up. We mean, Swindon got stick for years for 19 from 60. Nell from who? We, it was a given every night. But that's because those two had such great chemistry together that Jonas could put a puck wherever he wanted to and know that Aaron is going to fire it home. And it feels like that chemistry is getting there. And honestly, yes, they haven't scored this weekend. Yes, it's been a bit one-line show with 19 from 89 this time, but it'll get there. Like, it's it's one of those things. And we can say with, like, shots, I know the Wildcats have an analytics department. If you want me to have a look at anything, Ben will give you my email. It's that simple, lads. Um but no, the only other standout real notification again was from what Tom said earlier. He killed that five on three at the start of the second. And the penalty kill was three for three at that point. And then the rest of the night, they were two for five. <laughs> like you guys said, they turned up for 25 minutes and then decided, ah, that's enough for tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and just to just to add on that point and then a little bit more on the, my other point. So to add on that point, I think we also have to say, Steel Dogs have a lot of really good power play players, and I think we we, we can't just say it was just the PK. The, I mean, the power play was really slick. Plus, they had after, from Saturday night or on, in Sunday night they had Lee Bonner back, and they had Alex Graham down from the Steelers who weren't playing. So they did have two additional you know power play bodies there as well. So that made a difference. Had Bissonette back don't forget as well. Bissonette, I think exactly. They had Bissonette. I know he played Saturday, but yeah, they, suddenly you have a much better power play unit. Um, and yeah, just on the point, and on, just to just to clarify my point on you know the second line, I think it's coming. Don't get me wrong. I I don't for one second think they've been playing badly, and I think the goals are coming. I think just at the moment they're in that bit that time where they're just having a bit kind of unlucky. You know, pucks are hitting post at an alarming rate, and yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a night. In, I think sooner rather than later, where they kind of catch fire and get going and yeah I think we'll be in a really good position when that happens because I definitely think the goals are coming from that unit I appreciate that was a metaphor but I really hope they don't catch fire no I guess because yeah metaphorically I mean yeah let's not let's not have a Guildford aren't in this league anymore Tony spontaneous spontaneous combustion of the second line isn't ideal or what we want (laughs) Was it, was it NHL hits that used to have that? You scored a hat trick, the player called fire. I mean, I mean, I know the, I mean, I know the, um, I know the chance is CJ is on fire, but we didn't mean it literally. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I make it is CJ's on fire. Quick, somebody get the fire blanket. <laughs> I mean, it would be really accurate at that point. I think their defense would le- legit, legitimately be terrified, as would oh. everyone else in the rink. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that kind of that wraps up talking about the Wildcats weekend. Um, so it's at this point where I then say, Joe, what about the National League? No, t- touch wood here. We were in danger of actually having a quick podcast. Saturday, January 15th, we'll start from, well, not the Wildcats. We'll go to Basingstoke first. The Bison 5, the Tigers, 
two, or as it should be called this weekend, you know, the one where Ben and Tom try and listen to this without the biggest grins on their faces. The Bison start what would be a very good weekend, thanks to goal, two goals each from Alex Robertson, Aidan Doughty. Alex Robertson's run of form from just before Christmas is disgusting. I believe he's closing on 20 points in about nine games. It's something vile. Um, yeah, Jordan Lorde gets a fun win over the team he left two months ago, posting 21 saves and 9.13 save percentage. I always take saves in a Bison game to be with a pinch of salt, mainly because, you know, the shot counts are rubbish. Ben. Sorry, just on that one, did you both see the amazing picture from warm-up? Yes, of the fact that he had Jordan Lorde in his Bison jersey and then it was Ethan Frame for the Tigers as the backup in a Jordan Lorde Pride Tigers jersey, which begs the question, how long ago did the Tigers order their Pride shirts? It was utterly superb. I just loved the picture and the caption on social media of just, just do Jordan Lorde. It's, it's the Spider-Man meme. It is, yeah. It's legit. <laughs> Uh, Jack Hopkins and Vladimir Luka get the goals for the Tigers and Empty Netter basically put the icing on the cake 5-2 win for the Bison the MK Lightning 3 Raiders 4 um, happy Tom Graham noises as it should be called uh, goals for the Raiders from Aaron Connolly, Ollie Bulldog Lucas Sladkowski and Jake Sylvester Sylvester getting the winner with 3 minutes to go, the Raiders were down 3-2 going into the third period Turn it around. Uh, very quiet night, unless you're Ethan James, who posts 37 saves and a 9.25. We've been saying it for months now. Ethan James is capable of stealing games on a night, and this was one of them. Matt Smithle, not his best night. And again, I said this with our friend Banners on the Wall, Anthony. Matt Smithle, when he loses, he tends to lose badly. Four goals, 22 saves, and 8.46 save percentage. Just... One of those nights where it didn't all click. Uh, Bobby Chamberlain, again, Russ Cowley and Sam Talbot with the goals for the Lightning. More on them later. Rounding off Saturday, the Peaceful Phantoms 6, the Bees Ice Hockey Club 3. The Phantoms really starting to turn it around now we get in after Christmas. Goals coming from Corey McEwen, his first of the season since he's come back from injury. Two for Glenn Billing, one for Alice Padalek, the best gift in hockey. Jasper Foster and Brad Bowering. Um, the Bees never really seem to get going in this. Two points for Adam Rossbottom, a goal again for Ed Bradley. A couple of fights in this one. Curtis Warburton makes an appearance for the Bees, which has been rare for the majority of the season. He gets six on six goals, 36 saves and 8.57. Jordan Mark with a 900 save percentage as the Bees stroll. Well, they're not the Bees, sorry. Phantoms. The Phantoms stroll to an easy win over the Bees. It's been a long week. <laughs> As we move on to Sunday, he says, hoping that Fixtures Live will work. Um, quick, Phil. Um, yeah, the Phantoms, the turning it around after Christmas. Uh, yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all know that Slava Kulikov Hockey Club are going to be able to... Um, yeah, you know, you, you, we weren't going to expect them to be as bad as they were at the start of the season for the whole year. But, yeah, they seem to have hit a kind of Lazarus-esque comeback at this point, and they've still got Peter Stepanek and a couple of, of injuries to add to that roster. So, yeah, um, they could be a really dangerous side in the second half of the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them pushing for that top four place now and potentially, you know, kind of be a dark horse candidate for when you get coming around to the playoffs. Is that good enough feeling? Excellent work as always, Tom. Sunday the 16th, Raiders versus the MK Lightning. It couldn't happen again, could it? It did. Raiders 4, MK Lightning 3. Tom jumping for joy at the screen right now. Uh, two goals from Lucas Slavkovsky, one for Tommy Hugger, one for Aaron Connolly as the Raiders do the double on the Lightning over the weekend. A move that was a weekend that was so bad for the Lightning, they collectively lost their mind. They signed Tim Wallace on Monday. The you know Tim Wallace, the former Nottingham Panthers head coach who hasn't played in two years, who as a former Lightning player in the Elite League, has now come in to take a spot on the third line because there's nothing that says development like being a 37-year-old. <laughs> and I believe it was earlier today, they also released Zane McKenzie, or Zane McKenzie after his release. So you're replacing an 18-year-old with a 37-year-old. Development League. Everybody loves to see it. I'm sure Ben and Tom will give us their thoughts at the end. Because there's a few more signings we haven't we've got together as well. 
the lightning goals coming again. Bobby Chamberlain still on a goal, a, a goal a game pace so far. Sam Tolbert and Liam Stewart. Brandon Stone's getting his first start in what feels like months. Uh, four goals, 27 saves, 871. Michael Gray getting his, I think this is fourth start for the Raiders now since his return. 34 saves, a 919 save percentage. He's been brilliant since they re-signed him so far. Uh, Leeds Knights, three. The Basingstoke Bison, four. The Ryan Aldridge Knights era gets off to a losing start. Uh, goals from Kieran Brown, Sam Zajac, and Archie Hazeldine for this for the Knights. The Bison get goal, two goals from Aidan Doughty, including the game winner. First goal coming after 47 seconds in this one. So talk about a fast start. The Bison with two goals up after eight and a half minutes. A start that was so quick, Paul Harrison of the Yorkshire Post couldn't even get there in time for it. Was somewhat impressive. Um, Alex Metham, again, seems to be having a resurgence since they signed Jordan all day. 35 saves, 9.21 save percentage. Sam Gospel, a bad night by his standards. Only an 8.86 save percentage for a man who's... Safe Sense hasn't dropped below 920 this year, I think, at the moment. That's impressive. <clears throat> and the final game of the weekend, which puts a smile on Ben's face, it's the Telford Tigers 2, the Peterborough Phantoms 6. Absolutely blowing the doors off them. Uh, goals coming from Tom's favourite Phantom, Tom Norton, Will Weldon, Duncan Spears, two for Glenn Billing, and one for Alice Padalek. Goals for the Tigers coming from Ross Connolly and Brody Jessen. It was 2-1 Tigers at the end of the first five unanswered for the Phantoms, including two on the power play. As perfect a weekend as you get for the ask for for the Phantoms. Jordan Marr, 26 saves, 9-28. Brad Day, an 85 safe percentage with a poor night at the office. It means after all of that, so no point weekend for the MK Lightning and no point weekend for the Telford Tigers. I'm sure most of their fans will have ashen faces over this week. Uh, the Wildcats, top of the league, 39 points in 28 games. The Tigers, 37 points in 26 games. The Lightning, 36 points in 27 games in what is essentially a three-horse race for the title now. The Steel Dogs sit fourth, 29 points in 28. The Phantoms move up to fifth with 25. The Bison also on 25. Knights drop down to seventh on 24. The Raiders, their four-point weekend, which again includes a point deduction, takes them back up to eighth on 20 while the Bees now sit bottom on 17. Thoughts on the weekend first, Fenders? I mean, I think the big thing is, you know, you've got the teams who were first and second going into the weekend. I think they were both ahead of us. Um, picking up zero-point weekends, and I think that is a particularly impressive weekend for the Raiders against the Lightning. I think, you know, that. Obviously, particularly with everything surrounding their points deduction and that we talked about last week and all of that, to go and do a job on the Lightning, as it were, is huge for the Raiders and that will really give them some momentum back into their season. And it could be massive come the end of the year in terms of the playoff picture. Um, yeah, like it's going to be... It's going to be big. I still back the Raiders to make the playoffs, and I apologise to the bees to any bees fans who are listening. For me, I think the Raiders will get that eighth playoff spot. I just think they've got a you know they're the sort of team who can string results together, and yeah, that's obviously they've shown that against MK. That's a big result for them. Um, it's also yeah, those those are obviously the two big results, and Peterborough again having a big big weekend and a big resurgence. Tom, I think you're quite brave. I'm not going to go out here on a limb and say that the Bees will not make the playoffs because I've quite missed Coventry weekend and I don't want to be banned by Steve Merry, but I feel like you might have just been. No, it's true. I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying they won't. I just said if you had to ask me today which of the Raiders and the Bees are going to make it, I would lean on the Raiders particularly because of the situation that I'm sure we'll talk about shortly about bees. Uh, that's a nice kind of move into the next section, is it, Joe? No, no, I was just going to say, so if you are listening, Wildcats fans, and you find that we don't have any tickets for the Coventry playoff weekend, please file all complaints at Thomas Graham. He is at Thomas Graham 92 on Twitter. You can find him on Facebook uh, at the Wildcats. He has access to that account. Um, yeah, it's all his fault as per usual. Ben... <laughs> 
what he doesn't realise is if we all get banned from Coventry, we're just going to turn up in his flat. Yeah. Stream or watch the stream. Stream away. Yeah. No, I. I mean, yeah. I. I get. I get the point you're making. I thought as a weekend across the league, it it couldn't have been any more perfect for the Wildcats. Uh, like you said, absolute massive credit to to the Raiders for getting a double on the Lightning. That is. It's a result that I don't think, or two set two results that I don't think anybody was going to expect going into the weekend. Well, well, we say that, and I don't have, I don't know the stats on this, but it does feel like the Raiders have a reasonably good record against MK in the last in, in the last couple of years since MK came down. I feel like this isn't the first time that they've gone to to, to um, particularly on the road. It is not the first. Doesn't feel like the first time they've gone to the fun, MK Thunderdome and picked up points. I'm just... It's the first two wins this year. If you give me a minute, I will look for last year's. Yeah, Thanks, I feel Tom. Like, I feel like last year they had a couple as well. Um, I could be completely wrong there. Um, and maybe, well, I'm gonna maybe have I to talk. We're going to have to talk a little bit here, Tom, while Joe, Joe sorts that one out. But, again, like you said, Peterborough, uh, Basingstoke, kind of both on the upward trajectory from where they were and I think the other thing to remember with Telford is they were still a lot of guys short I think there were five or six on Sunday that I saw including I mean from from memory Ricky Plant's not played since the the first leg of the cup semi-final in Swindon um Jason Silverthorne was missing uh there were a couple of other guys who I'm sure that I've forgotten about as well. Yeah, already. and they still have the two games in hand over us uh, and a game in hand over MK and yeah, exactly. They, and, and they're a team, and they're a team who know how to win titles because they've done it two years ago. They were the last team to win the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we kind of don't think one bad weekend, and the same with the Lightning. They've got so much quality in that team. One weekend isn't the end of their season by a long shot, you know. I know. Uh, I think Joe's ready. Uh, four wins out of ten games. Okay, so that's not a terrible record when you consider probably the, you know, the difference in the relative strength of the squads and the depth in the squads. Um, particularly this year, I feel like the Lightning. Although we, we equally, the Lightning had a pretty poor start in nineteen twenty when they were kind of rebuilding from scratch after the Elite League years. So. Yeah, from memory, it kind of all went. It, it, took, it took a while to get going again. It took a while to get going, and then a certain Mr. Stewart arrived as well, if I remember. Yeah. And Robin Cova. Yes, Robin Cova. They added Stewart and Cova, and yeah, it helped. And Joe. Well, he was the the most influential signing of the three. Was was our stats guru. So I feel like we filled so, so good. I was never asked that. <laughs> I feel I feel like we filled a lot there. Um, speaking of signings, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So first off, Tim Wallace for the MK Lightning, um, former NHLer, Pittsburgh Penguin. I know Ben, you have some strong feelings on this. Um, yeah, I kind of understand it. It's well. I believe he's been signed as a player for the rest of the season and as Tom, I think you had the quote, this was Director of Development, Player Development? Director of Player Development, I think, is the job title. Which is basically a posh way of saying he's taking Lewis Clifford's job in September. Um, it's an odd one. And when you combine it with the fact that Zane McKenzie has gone out the other way, nothing quite says Director of Player Development like booting out an 18-year-old so that you can take his place on the team. Yeah, I... I do have an opinion on like this, and it's not a. This is nowhere near going to turn into uh, Tom Graham 2.0 of like four, three or four weeks ago. Now, I think for me, you look at that Milton Keynes roster, and it is a very, very talented hockey roster for a national level. And credit to them, fair play. Like they've got some very good players. They've got some good prospects and they've got you know some very very talented individuals um i i did a tweet afterwards that just kind of said like let's not and this isn't this is not a criticism it's i don't think you can now 
I think it's clear to see who probably has the biggest budget in the National League. The salary cap is pointless because no one knows anything about it. It, it, it might as well. It's not probably not worth the paper it's written on at the moment, unless there's any kind of absolutely isn't. <laughs> I don't think there's a probably about that anymore. It absolutely isn't worth it. Like and, and it's, and good, it's, a good, it's a good idea. That's what it's, it's. It's a yeah. good idea to try and create some sense of parity. But great idea and and fair play. If every team is sticking to whatever they've agreed, fair enough. But it's just it's that communication thing. It's just you can't ever use it in a defense if there's no evidence of it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly that. Like I'm not, I don't think any of us are sat here saying the Milkies Lightning or the Telford Tigers or the Swindon Wildcats or any of the other tops or the P- Peterborough Phantoms who added an, in, an extra import in the week or last week, which we talked about in the last episode, are breaking the salary cap by adding these players. But we don't know if they are or not. Like, we just have to assume they're not and because there's no information about what it is. And it's almost like, what was the point of announcing you're going to have a salary cap? You might as well have just kept it quiet and not bothered telling us because it makes no difference and all it adds is another layer of um, you know, confusion. confusion. Well, as, as, as I said to you guys for months now, it's a good idea in principle, but if you're not going to make it public knowledge, like all these other sports do, let's face it, they've taken the idea straight out of American franchise sports where they have salary caps or they have payrolls, which are public knowledge. You know how much these players are getting paid. And there is no point. We might as well sit here discussing the existence of unicorns because they're just as real as the salary cap. You can still have a, you can still, you can have an internal salary cap and an agreement between the teams not to spend more than X money, but you just don't publish it and put it out. Don't, don't tell people about it. Don't 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 trump it that you've got you've got this is this system. You know, have a have a have a private agreement amongst yourselves by all means, but don't sit there and tell us yes, we've got a salary cap and it's revolutionising British hockey. If you're not going to publicise it, I don't even think that would work because if it's a case of let's say it's a limit of you can spend three k a week. That's not the number. I've just picked a random number out of my head. If you then posted a list at the start of the year which said right uh the wildcats have spent 2999 pounds 99 pence per week and then they go and sign a player it's like and it, you'd have to update that salary cap well not the salary sorry the salary cap the salary the wildcats are paying each week and even then if <clears throat> sorry um even just by that measure let's say they sign aaron a aronson and yeah you, you sign him as a player the salary cap has to move, at which point you then immediately know how much that player is on. So the, it, it can't, you either invest fully into doing it like you would a proper league, make it not necessarily public knowledge, but you should be able to have on that national website that they set up and haven't touched in months, a chart essentially that shows how much player X is on and how much the team is paying, much like you would with cap friendly for the NHL. Like if you're going to do it, do it properly. Don't do it and just like say it as a salary cap and not bother updating anything about it. Because then you get into this whole thing of we had back in the EPL days with red hockey. Everyone trying to say that they've got the sixth biggest budget in the league. Swindon have the sixth biggest budget in the league right now. MK have the sixth biggest budget in the league right now. Peterborough have the sixth biggest budget in the league right now. Not everyone could be sixth. And no one will know what that is because the salary cap is a myth. It is a myth like anything else. Unless they do it properly, we're not going to know anything. Yeah, and I think that was kind of my point on MK, I guess. I think you just... I've seen some suggestions online of, again, people trying to do the, I think Milton Keynes don't have the biggest budget, didn't have the biggest budget, we had the lowest budget in the league, and I'm... I find it very hard to believe. I saw I saw a lot of assumptions that guys like Talbot and Norris are playing on very small wages because they're young. No, they're, no. Norris, they're, they're, they're very good players. They're, they're going to be paid what they want. They're... I heard I had Liam Stewart gets paid two packets of Watsits a week. See now, I I, I don't think we should, we can sit here and discuss discuss um, finances, but you know I could believe that if you threw a can of cherry coke in. No, exactly. I, we, we, Make it a Tesco meal deal. Let's let's go for it. We joke about it, and 
I guess the way that I'm going to kind of wrap this a little bit up, because I didn't necessarily intend to start talking too long about salary caps, is I, I completely agree with what our friend Anthony at Vans on the Wall set tweeted this week. Um, and he probably won't mind me saying this. It's not all that often we completely agree on something. But there is no shame in admitting you have the biggest budget in the league. Fair play. Whoever talk to the the owners of Man City in the Premier League or Newcastle now, they don't care that they've got money. It's the fact of life. And I know Joe said it. Not everyone can be sick. Somebody, one of these nine teams, has to be have the biggest budget. But that's fact. One of the nine out there, there's a one in nine There's a one in nine chance it's Telford. There's a one in nine chance it's the Bees. But there's no, there's no shame in admitting it and like trying to hide behind this. Or we just like we we don't spend money. We just sit fifth and sit like whoever it is. Like they just got to be real. Turn. It's the Guildford Flames again. They're the biggest budget spenders in the league. It's just that there there is fact. And I just think when you go and sign a guy that three years ago was a point in the game in the elite league and has played in the NHL and he's coming in as a, as an import, like don't pretend that people aren't then going to suddenly think, Oh, MK throwing money at this because and yeah, fair enough. They're the supporters club. I know do a superb work and they have been brilliant up in Milton Keynes and there's other things part of this as well. There's job and who he's working with. It's, it's just like, just, Kind of accept that you're going to get a little bit of stick for it. He, he is he is on a bigger contract than Liam Stewart. I heard it was two of those big packets of sensations. He's a big fan of the chicken and thyme ones and a uh, six pack bu- six pack of uh, cherry Pepsi. Do you know what? I'd go for that. Know, I mean, sens- sensations are slightly fancy crisps, so that is that is a big some big budget there. Um, I mean, we all, actually, we all know Tom wouldn't move for anything less than Tyrrells. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> All jokes aside, before we move on to other bits of news and other stuff, I think we have to say that as a player, if Tim Wallace comes back and is half the player he was three years ago when he retired and took the Nottingham job, oh, the league is dead. Oh, he's going to be—he'll be one of the best players in the league by a country mile. By a country mile, um, that's a really good pickup for MK um, in terms of pure playing quality. And and it's and the other thing is I will credit MK for a that, but also b that's going to be great for guys like Sean Norris and Sam Talbot who who are young, but there's a 37 year old who is going to be in that locker room on the ice with them, who's played in the NHL. They'll kill for an experience like that. Like fair play that that is going to help those two young British prospects. No end. Also, I, also, I think we also just need to just say, throw it out there because, you know, again, sometimes departure statements in British hockey are not the best, and you can tell things haven't gone very well. I think on Zane McKenzie's fair play to the Milton Keynes Lightning. You've got to give them absolute credit. It's a really well written, really classy statement that kind of fully states. The situation with Zane and you know why he's chosen to move on and yeah I mean that's what you kind of want to see from when a player leaves a club in that sort of situation. Okay, if I'm Zane McKenzie and I'm hearing the news that Tim Wallace is coming in and my ice time is already limited, I'm going, uh, yeah, peace. And he's going to go and get ice time somewhere else. There's plenty of teams that need help at the moment, and he would walk into them. And he's going to. They said that it's not happening by the time we record it. No, we're not going to record an extra bit this week, but we'll do it next week, shall we? Where does Zane McKenzie end up? Uh, other signings. Just before we move on, I'm one word answer. Where does Zane McKenzie end up? Let's see if we get it right. Romford. Tom. Yeah, I'm going to go Romford. Can I go Romford as well? Are we allowed to both go Romford? You can both go Romford because I'm saying the bees. Which lead P to whoever's wrong. Uh, uh, so before we get to the bees, Jamie Chilcott was announced as the first signing of the oldie era Leeds Knights. Um, blast in the past, used to play for the Hull Pirates, has played for the Manchester Storm in the past. Good D man. I'm amazed he hadn't turned up before this. Improves the Knights defense, no end. Uh, yeah, it's just why wouldn't you do this before? Why wouldn't you give Dave Whistle this? Why would you save it for after you fired him? Um, well, I mean, pretend, 
we don't know what's gone on there. Um, it makes me feel old when the press release calls a 28-year-old a veteran. <laughs> That's because you are old. 29-year-old Thomas Graham here. Um, the... 29-year-old Thomas Graham dresses and acts like he's 56. Yeah. 56 at heart. But, no, I mean, like, yeah, he's a, Jamie Chilcott's a good player. That's going to help, you know. And, again, he, he was he was the captain of Hull. So yes. it's, a lead, it's another leader in a young locker room. And that's, again, going to be really important for the, you know, with everything that's gone on. Um, and, yeah, moving forwards for, for, for Leeds and for the Knights going, going on to the rest of the season. Yep. No, generally, I think solid player, won't lie kind of forgotten about him a little bit yeah yeah i was saying i sort of forgot he'd existed slightly because he's been uh, obviously a, not being there's a lot like that years. yeah, yeah. Well, it's where i've been working on this side project i think i messaged you guys the other night and said i forgot Derek rail played for the vice yeah <laughs> yeah um, exactly. but the other thing i'd say really quickly about shortcut is it will also allow the knights to cope when ben solder does get called up to the storm, which is going to just be good for them. In the same way that when we have Neil Lydia done available, we've got we've got Declan and Smithy and, and everyone. But but yeah, but I think that's that's good. And then the last of its signing news, obviously, both feature the bees. Uh, the one coming in first, Alan Lack returns to the National League standard after playing for the Romford Junior Raiders the last couple of years. Gritty veteran forward. Loves throwing the body around, can score points with the best of them. One of the absolute nightmare players on the mid tens bison side that won every trophy possible. Adds a little bit more grit to this bees team, a bit more experience. Um, it's just nice to see him back at this level. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I think he's a I was just going to say, I never thought I'd say this, but I think I've missed him. Definitely. He's one of the kind of true sort of characters of National League hockey, or EPL hockey as it was back then. And, I mean, I think the other thing that you're going to have is this is a guy who knows Doug Shepard so well and was a big, big, a part of the, the Doug Shepard Basingstoke teams that did, as you say, great things in the back in the EPL era. And he's going to be able to fit into that system really, really easily. And yeah, sorry Ben for talking over you. I had my, my 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 everything froze for a second, and I didn't know who was saying anything. So I thought I'm going to jump in here, and then realize we were talking at the same time. No, I was literally just going to say that thing. I like you said, the gritty player, experienced player, probably what um, the bees kind of need. Someone with a little bit more experience. Yeah, and the one going out from the bees, which. And briefly touched on earlier with the how not to write a press release. Bailey Harewood leaves the bees and turns up four hours later as a Telford Tiger. Um, big loss for the bees. I know he hasn't played that many games this year because of his two-way deal with the Cardiff Devils in the Elite League. Hell of a game for the Telford Tigers again. Everyone seems to be strengthening up for this run to Coventry now. And that Harewood sign for Telford, if he plays enough games, that's big. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Tom? Yeah, no, I've, yeah, it's a big signing. Um, they've obviously had their issues with injuries and the like. And just to get that, not just an extra body, but an extra body who has been one of the most improved players in the league this year, I think it's safe to say. Um, part of that is the role. And role he's gone from being probably a third liner, fourth liner in Basingstoke to being one of the top guys on the Bees roster when he's played and he's got opportunities to play for the Cardiff Devils as well, so he's taken that step um, really quick, really quick forward um, yeah, he's going to be a real handful on that Telford side and yeah it, it, they, they were they were one of the front runners before signing Bailey, I know they've had a poor weekend but I think he's going to be a really kind of really kind of big pickup for them. Um, and it is unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the bees who've gone and lost probably the two big Brit forwards they signed in the off season in terms of Harewood and Power, and they've lost them both. But 
yeah, it's a good signing for um, <laughs> two of the worst PR releases. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say as much as I as much I I I don't want to I really don't want to upset Steve Murray any more than I already have in this episode, but when you release a player, and I appreciate it's not a good it's not a good situation to lose guys, and we don't know if something deeper has gone on, but when you release a player. And the press release is a tweet. Not a tweet with a link. A tweet. 240 characters or less. You, 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 yeah. There was no good luck for the future. It was Bailey Howard has left the bees. We're not making any comment on this. Yeah. So. I, uh, believe it or not, I've done a lot of tweets in my time as doing stuff with the Wildcats. And even I know from that tweet, there's a lot of spare characters there too. Um, that wasn't one where they'd used everything up. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. But again, we don't know the situation. Oh, there's, there's obviously the tone of that release made it crystal clear that something had gone on in the background. And again, we'll never know what, um, and we'll never really know why. But. Right. That's that's kind of it, I think, in terms of signings. Oh, and, and for once, British Rocket actually behaved itself. Nothing dumb happened this week for a change. Hence, I can update the improved whiteboard of doom, as Tom called it last week. Yeah, I was as you were just holding that up to the camera there, I was about to say uh, the update from the whiteboard of doom. We were on a really bad score, and now we're kind of still on a really bad score, but it's improving. It's um, a better score. Yeah, it's gone. Well, Joe, you're the man in charge of the whiteboard. I feel like you need to update us on the numbers. Well, we went from minus six to minus five. We've got one point back for good behaviour. See if we can actually get some positive news. Or actually, should we give it an extra point for, you know, Pride Week again being yeah, a yeah, good thing? Week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, minus four. Yeah, so we'll go, to minus, we'll go to minus four. So if British Hockey can behave itself to start some good things, we might even get back into the positives by the time Coventry comes around. That's the aim, folks. That is the aim. I I think that's pretty much it for me. I think, apart from the impending doom, which is probably going to knock us back down to minus five in a second, uh, from Tom, I think the last couple of episodes have been quite lengthy. Um, this one's probably been more about normal. Uh, so, Tom, we're on minus four. It's gone back up by two points this week. Please don't knock us down again. Uh, over to you. Okay, so a massive, massive weekend for the Swindon Wildcats in the National League this weekend. We start at home against the Telford Tigers, so first versus second going into the weekend, and that is a 6.30 face-off as ever at the uh, at the Link Centre. Um, tickets on the Wildcats website, streams on the Wildcats website, be there, it's going to be a huge game. And then the reverse fixture in Shropshire uh, on Sunday. It's a six o'clock face-off. And again, tickets, streams, etc. available. Come and support come and support the Wildcats in yeah, what is a huge weekend and probably the biggest weekend of the season so far, with Swindon two points clear, but Telford having those two games in hand. So potentially a crucial weekend in the in the title race. And also, I could be wrong here, but I believe a four-point weekend for the Cats would seal the very important series win against the Tigers for the season. So I believe we've won two out of three already. So four points would mean we'd won four out of six, which is a kind of chaseable score with one game to go. So, yeah, obviously, a four-point weekend will be very, very, very tough to get. Let's not beat around the bush, but it has to be the sort of if you could even get two points that would be ideal with the, um, the way the results have gone for us this week yeah absolutely i think you just about held it there um before we we're going to put it down again joe anything else from yourself no it's just yeah let's carry on let's i would love another four point weekend against the tigers because it puts a nice little gap between us again but Hey ho! Let's just hope we can do something this week. If you can win the home, I think if I think if we could, like if we could win the home game on Saturday, and obviously that even that is going to be a really tough game. Um, 
it, it depends is, on how many bodies the Tigers have, let's face it, yeah. at this point. Yeah, that is even a win. If you can win the Saturday game, that's just huge because it really takes the pressure off going to Telford. Um, but yep, I think that's that's the key thing. We we kind of always say take or it. win your home games. We said it already today. You've got to win your home games in this league we're, and then see what you can get on the road. Win your home games, you're in a good spot at the end of the year. So the whiteboard of doom has gone up by two points. So that's a progress. The Cats got four points last weekend. Let's see what they can do this weekend uh, until episode 40 next week. I can't believe we're that number already. Um, so what, this is what happens when you um, actually have hockey and we get to do an episode every week rather than one a month because there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, it's very true. Well, we need to enjoy it while we can because it won't be too long and summer will be back. But for now, Swindon, Telford this weekend, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be tense, but... Uh, Enjoy it and we'll see you next week.